Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. found out yesterday, interest rates. The Bank of Canada raising its key interest rate yesterday by half a point. This is the second time the bank has made a jumbo-sized hike to tame inflation, as they made the same move back in April, marking the biggest increase seen in more than two decades. And joining us now to talk about this and higher inflation and all of the other economic issues is John McCallum, Senior Scholar, Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. John, good morning. Good morning to you, Hal. Well, as you and I were emailing yesterday, I think it ended with you saying these are interesting economic <laughs> times. Boy, it, 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 they really are. Uh, it sure is, and it's very unusual. After basically 15 or 20 years of low interest rates and very little inflation, we all of a sudden find ourselves pushing 7% and going up from there and looking at a whole bunch of rate increases over the next year. So so it's interesting times for sure, and then there's the oil story in the Ukraine and so on. So a lot happening. Have you ever seen this much happening on the economic front at one time? You know, we I, I, I started teaching at the university in 1973, and that was when the, uh, the uh, oil is, was embargoed by the Middle Eastern countries. And I don't know if you remember that, but there were huge lineups for gas and the price of oil was going through the roof. And then there was the Iranian revolution in the late 70s. And in the early 80s, we had interest rates pushing 20 percent. So, you know, your memory kind of fades on these things. I I don't think this is the worst we've been in since I have uh, I started teaching 50 years ago, but but it's it's sure not very good. Those 20 percent interest rates we had uh, in 79, 80, and 81, and the recession that that followed that was absolutely brutal. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people just uh, handed their keys over to the bank. Right here, take the home. I, I can't afford it anymore. Uh, you know, a word came up in a couple of meetings that I was involved in this morning as we sort of plan our day here at CGOB, stagflation. But it's not, stagflation is different because um, you would have higher unemployment, right? And we've got actually pretty low unemployment right now. So it's not stagflation. It doesn't feel like we're heading for stagflation. Um, because that would be slow economic growth. And I think the last time you and I talked a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago now, uh, you were thinking maybe we would see 3 3.5% economic growth here in the province of Manitoba. So what do you make of this? Um, stagflation is when you have a stagnant economy and you have inflation. I don't personally see us in that now. And I don't see us headed for that, even with a couple more points maybe on the interest rates over the next six or eight months. It, the economy has a lot of momentum. The, uh, there's an awful lot of people didn't spend during the COVID like they were used to spending. 
So right. there's a lot of people with money to spend. That the, the 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 problem with almost everything in economics is how it affects the lower 20% income of the population. And what's going on right now is very, very rough on 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 that bottom 20%. Uh, there's a whole big part of the economy, and, and it's a significant part, uh, uh, 30, 35% probably, for whom all of this is just an interesting thing to listen to on the radio, and then they go buy gas and pay $2 a liter, and, and you know, it doesn't affect them almost in any way. And only about a half of Canadians have a mortgage. A lot of Canadians got in the housing market years ago. Mortgages paid off. Mortgage rates are just, you know, something to talk about. So it's trouble with economics. It just doesn't affect everyone equally. And this stuff right now is particularly rough on lower incomes, people who paid incredibly high prices to get into first homes, and so on. Yeah, fixed incomes. We've talked about this before. You're right. Um, most of us listening right now can adjust. We don't like paying more, but we can pay that almost $2 a liter for gas. We can adjust and take a bit from here, and, and, and we get by. But you're right. Those people, those people working minimum wage jobs out there, fixed income, seniors, lots of seniors listening uh, to us today, for them, this is potentially devastating. If you're living on the old age security Canada pension guaranteed income supplement, if that's most of it for you, which is quite a number of elderly people, this is really, really rough. Uh, And if you're in lower paying hourly jobs, it's rough because you get an increase, but you're paying tax on the increase. And and the prices are going up, and they're not a, and and uh, uh, they're not sheltered from tax, or you don't get a tax break on that. So yes, there's there's a significant number of people that are affected. It's it's you know it's hard running a government, and it's easy to be critical of a federal government, but really it is the role of the federal government who controls monetary policy to get ahead of things and through their central bank and manage things so we don't get in the place that we are now. And hindsight is twenty twenty, but I can remember you and I talking back last July or August when inflation was 3.7% and rising. And, you know, there was this mindless debate of is it transitory or temporary or short-lived Whenever in economics, whenever you reach for, uh, wherever you're a policymaker and you're reaching for the dictionary to explain the situation, <laughs> you know it's not good. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a couple of things here quickly. Uh, I've only got a few minutes left, so quicker answers if you don't mind. So, um, with uh, gas prices, uh, there's a push in the states now. California has topped six bucks a gallon. We're at just under two dollars uh, a liter here in California. There's a senator there that's pushing 
for a break on the federal taxing gas. Why is government here not doing that short term, six months, eight months, even a year, to give people a break and, and to give not just people getting in their car and, and driving to the cottage, but I'm talking courier services, truckers. Doesn't it make sense that we get a bit of a break at the pump right now? I, I understand government has spent a lot of money and they don't like giving it back to us, but I think they should here. Uh, the truckers especially, because everything you buy at the store got there from a truck, right. and their costs are through the roof. Yes, it would make some difference. There's no doubt about that. Sales taxes are collecting uh, uh, income uh, for government on the basis of higher prices because of inflation. Um, there's gas taxes. There's all kinds of other things that government raises the fees on. Um, it's something to look at. Um, government finds it really hard to act on these things. Um, I think um, I, I don't. I don't know. You'd have. I, I don't know that we've ever done something like that. And uh, I, I'm just not sure about that, Hal. Yeah. And I, I. But your point is uh, one thing. You're bang on. This inflation is bad for a lot of people, but it's not all that bad for government because their revenues go up, people get into higher tax brackets, they charge the sales tax on a higher price, and uh, and so on. Um, I can't sure help but think if we were... One, no, I, I, because I, what you yeah. really are trying to do is help the lower end, and you can't help the lower end with something like this without helping the higher end than everyone else. True, yeah. I, I just feel like if we were closer to an election, if we were closer to voting, I think I think we might see something like that. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, we saw another half-point jump in the uh, Bank of Canada rate yesterday. They're doing it to try and bring pull back inflation. Um, how much higher might the rate go? That's my first question. And then when might we see inflation start to come down? And I'll just say this. I have been a very, now I didn't have, I didn't know money when interest rates were 18 and 20%. So I've been primarily a variable rate guy. I, I have over the years ridden the, but interest rates have been relatively low. I made the decision that I was going to stick with uh, moving rates, and I'm now wondering maybe if that was the wrong decision. So how much higher might interest rates go, and when will we see inflation start to come back down a bit? So, Hal, the Bank of Canada puts out a press release when they raise rates like they did yesterday, and the last uh, sentence is something that every Canadian who has a mortgage should focus on. It says, the bank is prepared to act more forcefully if needed to meet its commitment to achieve the 2% inflation target. We're at 68 They admit that it's going to go higher in the near term. So let's say higher is eight, and they're saying we're going to we're going to be forceful to get it back to two. I don't see how you get back to near two in the next year to eighteen months without that bank rate being three to four percent, and maybe even closer to four. And and that will. all show up in variable rate mortgages. And, you know, all mortgages are variable in many ways in that you get a five-year 
mortgage, and then, it's, and then you've got to renegotiate right. the rate. So 20% of the mortgages are being renegotiated every year, and they've got a decision to make. So mm-hmm. I think we're looking at I, – I've never – you rarely see banks being as brutally honest as they are now. The bank, the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Treasury, the Bank of Canada have all acknowledged they got behind the curve and they missed it in the fall, and they're all now committed to their these lower targets. How high could it get? I think the three to four percent range. When will inflation come down? I. I suspect we'll see it come down as we get into the fall and and these higher rates start to bite. My one great concern would be that as soon as it starts to come down, they say, wow, we got it on the way down now. Let's take the pressure off the rates. And, of course, that's like somebody who's got a weight problem losing a small amount of weight and concluding, I got it ace now, and then they go back into the habits that got them into trouble in the first place. Right. Well, listen, we'll end where we started. These are interesting economic times. And, John McCallum, I'm so uh, lucky to be able to call on you to talk about it. Thank you. My pleasure, and congratulations on your ratings, and I hope today's conversation doesn't put a dent in them. (laughs) Thank you, John. I really appreciate it. John McCallum, Senior Scholar, Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. Joining us now, as she does every Thursday, Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. Carolyn, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you for uh, doing this, as always. I mentioned this at the top of the show today, but I want to tell you because I'm excited. Uh, The new radio ratings are out. And uh, they have made us, Carolyn, because you're a part of this, the people listening right now have made us an even bigger number one. Uh, so I'm really excited about that, and I want to thank you for your contribution. You came with me. I, I inherited you in the afternoons. <laughs> Love that. You came with me to mornings, and we're killing it. So thanks for everything you do. Oh, Hal, I just, I love to know that you get affirmed for all the hard work that you are doing, and I'm delighted to be just even a small part of it. Well, you are a big part of it, so thank you. Um, anyhow, enough about us. Uh, let's talk about, well, first of all, tell me about your little dinner party you had the other night. This is cool. Okay, so, you know, sometimes we feel like we, a lot of us got out of a habit of what is it like to have people over during the pandemic? We didn't have anybody over for two years. And so uh, yesterday I had a dinner party at my house. I'm on a board. We had board members and spouses. I cooked up some ribs in the crock pot, had to readjust my menu because chicken thighs are so expensive. And it so happened that ribs were literally a quarter of the cost. So I put them in the uh, crock pot and then we finished them on the barbecue. I bought some potato salad from Costco. Other people brought desserts and salads and we had a feast. We all sat around outside, enjoyed each other. um, And it was just really a powerful example to me of if we don't overthink it, we just invite people to participate. We can have a great time together. We played um, Would You Rather. I Googled, you know, Would You Rather questions. um, And uh, we pulled, I put them in a bag and people pulled them out. And then we had to guess which people would rather as we took turns around the circle. And we just laughed and laughed. It was such a good time. And I just want to remind people that having people over and creating community 
doesn't have to be a lot of work. People are hungry for it. Um, let's do it. Yes, love that. And you're right. It is a good reminder that it it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just get a few of your f- favorite people together and, I mean, you know, do a potluck. Everybody brings something, wh- however you do it. And, and maybe it doesn't even involve food. It's just like I'm looking forward to the nice weather again because I got into a habit last summer of just meeting when the show was done i'd have lunch on my deck some days with a friend or i'd have a coffee or you know a couple of friends would come over that was still you know when covid was much much worse out there and uh, i i like i'm going to carry on the tradition so it's a really good reminder that we should look for ways to get together okay i've got a list for you I always like to throw these. I love lists. I want to throw this I list out, and do. then I and this one's about sex, Carolyn. So uh, I'm going to throw the list out there, and then I want you to react, and maybe you want to add to the list. Okay? Uh, the okay. list is entitled "Secrets to a Great Sex Life Revealed." Oh boy, you know now why it caught my eye. Because uh, we can all we can all improve in that area, can't we? Uh, anyhow, uh, secrets to a great sex life revealed. They say. I love you every day and mean it. They kiss one another passionately for no reason. They are physically affectionate, even in public. They cuddle. They make sex a priority, not the last item of a long to-do list. And they can talk comfortably about their sex life. I like each and every one of those. I do too. I think what you were describing was that sex isn't something that comes out of the blue in a relationship. It's part of the fabric of a relationship and it needs the rest of the relationship needs to be supportive and caring and facilitate that intimate time together. And uh, Dr. Sue Johnson, I follow, I do a lot of her work, um, emotionally focused couples therapy in my work. She says hot sex doesn't lead to secure love. Rather, secure attachment leads to hot sex and also to love that lasts. And I think as we are recognizing that as we pay attention to each other and maintain the connection in the relationship, that um, a healthy sex life comes out of that. Mm -hmm. Last half hour, I was uh, playing a bit of audio, people reacting to the uh, the verdict yesterday in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, and I ended the segment by saying I worry uh, that what we have seen over all these weeks and now, you know, the end of it yesterday, I worry that um, uh, the abused may not come forward. Now, in my mind, I was thinking women uh, for the most part, but you have an interesting take on this, and you're right, so explain. So I've been following um, through social media people's reactions to that as well. And what I'm hoping is that uh, what happened with the Depp Heard mess, that we will, that, that what has come forward is the reality that men can be abused in relationships as well. And so often men who are abused by their partners, they feel trapped because there's not a lot of space to say I'm being abused. And yet just yesterday I had a conversation with somebody who says what's happening to this particular man um, in, that she cares about in her life is wrong. And she says, it's so hard what's happening to him. And then she said something really interesting. She said, if the genders were reversed and he was a woman, we would call it abuse. But there was this feeling that it couldn't be called abuse because it was happening to him as a man at the receiving end. And I don't think that's okay because abuse is abuse. And I think we're raising awareness that men can also be abused. 
And I think as people are looking at what's going on um, in that, that they're having good conversations about what does constitute abuse and what can we do to reduce abuse in relationships. Um, There was a lot of nastiness that went both ways. And I think it's having inviting people to be aware of what that nastiness can go into abuse and that we have to be aware of that and 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 make sure that our behavior aligns with our values and know when it's important to leave relationships and sometimes relationships last longer than what is healthy mm-hmm. yeah no kidding um i'm sure you're getting tired of talking about or me asking you to react to it i'm getting tired of talking about higher interest rate higher gas prices uh, but i think it's important uh to hear from you a therapist about how we should deal with stress, and in this case, financial stress, because there's a lot of it right now. There's a lot of financial stress, and the financial stress is very real because costs are going up while our income for many of us is staying relatively the same. What I'm encouraging people to do is to just be awake to it, it because it people can feel so helpless, it can be so, feel so overwhelming, that they just turn a blind eye and you just keep going on keeping on, keeping on, which means that um, the situation gets worse and worse. And what I, I'm not in a position um, in terms of my areas of expertise to add, you know, give any sorts of financial advice, but what I am encouraging people to do is to talk to people who do have that ability to offer financial advice. Don't keep your situation secret to yourself. It may be private, but can you talk to somebody and they can, they can just help you face the overwhelming situation full on so that you can identify those top sources of financial stress. You can look at what are needs versus wants, that you can find ways of trimming your budget in ways that might hurt but are doable, so that you're not digging yourself further and further into the hole by putting your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. I played earlier an interview that I did with uh, a grade 5 Winnipeg student, Ada Leonard, her mom Karen, and I want to replay just the poem that Ada wrote, and this poem was a runner-up in a national writing contest. The contest is called Meaning of Home, and uh, listen to her poem. She gets a, a tablet and a pizza party for her class, and Habitat for Humanity in Manitoba gets $10,000. And then after this, Carolyn, I want to talk to you about home. But here is Ada's poem. I think that home is a word that cannot be contained in four walls. It is a mix of love and a cozy space that you can be yourself in. Home is a space that you can feel safe in, loved, and protected. Home is somewhere close to family and friends. Home is surrounded by people you love and people who love you. Home is more of a feeling than a house. H stands for being happy, staying healthy, and helping others less fortunate. O stands for being open and strong, staying optimistic, and a place where you know it is going to be okay. M stands for happy good nights and mornings, knowing that you always matter, and amazing memories you can share with friends and family. E stands for being there for each other, the emotions you feel when you are together, and the exciting life that you will live together. Home, such a small word with a much bigger meaning than it seems. Ada Leonard. Isn't that great, Carolyn? Oh, didn't you just love it? What yeah. I loved about you didn't you didn't play this part just right now, but in the full interview, your voice softens when you recognize that Ada has the same name as your mom, and it felt hmm. like home came into that interview in yeah. just just a beautiful little way in that moment. 
Uh, because home is really, like she says, about a feeling, and it's not about the walls. And uh, she gave you that feeling. I was talking with somebody yesterday who had two, a dishwasher repairman come over to re- you know repair her dishwasher, and somebody raised their eyebrows like, why do you need two of you to repair a dishwasher? Like, kind of implying maybe one was incompetent or something. Um, with um, there was a bit of snarkiness there, and one just said, well, the, this my partner just here came is new from the Ukraine, and he's learning about fixing dishwashers in Canada. And there, you know, by the end of the visit, uh, the man from the Ukraine had a, a Canadian pin on his lapel and there was big hugs and big smiles. And it felt like she was aware that there was a bit of home created for this new person to Canada as he mm-hmm. is making this place his home that she gave him that feeling of you belong, you're welcome. And it was just lovely. And so I, I think we are able to create that feeling of home for each other where people feel included, feel valued for who they are, um, where we create home because it's a space where people can feel comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. And Ada was, you know, and I said to Karen, her mom, Ada's mom off off air, I said to to Karen, I said, man, it it warms my heart to hear a young girl or a young child talk like that about home, right? And to know that, you know, she gets a tablet and a pizza party and Habitat's going to get $10,000, it's all good. But I'm also reminded at the same time that not everybody has the home that Ada wrote about there, right? Uh, We have so many cases of late, it's in the news this week, uh, uh, partner violence, uh, deadly domestic abuse, and not everybody has that happy home. And so many people living on the streets of Winnipeg, no roof over their head. I, I, I can't talk about how great that is, what Ada wrote, and how wonderful it is to have a, a loving home without mentioning those people that don't have it and, and wish they did. Ada gave us some profound, wise truth, and it makes us all that much more aware of how it's about certainly providing four walls, but so much more than that. And so many people don't have that. Um, and it is a huge loss for them. And as those of us that do have that safe and comfortable feeling in our lives because of the people around us who love us, it is motivating for us to have that spread to others who need it. Mm-hmm. Before you go, the chorus, it's coming up real quick here. Can you mention it quickly again? Have you got one or two spots left? Yes, please, we do. Um, thanks for giving me this opportunity, Hal. Next Friday, um, June 10th, uh, June 10th to 12th, Rising Strong. If you go to carolynclawson.com and go to the blog, there is a Rising Strong blog, uh, article there. I would love for you to uh, look at it closely and if it feels like it fits for you. If you're not sure, email me, find out about it. We'd be welcome to uh, answer your questions and have you come. Please join us. Carolyn, thanks a lot. Have a great week. Take care. Carolyn Classen connects his counseling, connects his uh, counseling.ca or Carolyn's uh, website, carolynclassen.com.